Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 1950s-born actors in today's episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. The 1950s. Uh, we have, you know, really moved further and further and further. I feel like I say this every time now, but, you know, more and more recognizable uh, names and faces are appearing and uh, people with brighter and brighter uh, careers ahead of them as well are, are making these lists. Now, I can say that compared to the 1940s, which I currently have 407 people, actors, born in the 1940s. There are 547 actors born in the 1950s. Uh, so the number is going up. The, 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 the crop, the field, has, has expanded and will continue to do so until the 70s. And then it will trend downward again after that. But we are on our, on our way up. Uh, the most frequent year... Uh, in, the, in the 50s that someone has been born in on my actor spreadsheet is 1955 while, uh, with 67 people. And the most infrequent year is 1954. Nope, it's 1951 with 42 people. A little bit of context. Uh, yeah, a little bit of context. Uh, another thing, I, I'm also greatly pleased to have more and more of the represent, representation in these top 10 lists be female as this uh, this top 10 list four of the 10 actors on this list are female including our first our number 10 uh, but before we get into the number 10 let uh, let me briefly name a couple of the people who didn't quite make the list uh, near narrowly missing uh, including um, Allison Janney uh, among, as well as Bruce McGill, Denzel Washington, Timothy Spall, um, Laurie Metcalf, a lot of big names, Oscar nominees from last year, Metcalf, Janney won last year, uh, Fiona Shaw, Joan Allen, Ray, Win Ray McKinnon, um, Angelica Houston, Katherine Keener, Holly Hunter, Jeff Daniels, Zelchko Ivanek, Robbie Coltrane, Peter White, and Mark McCauley, Akio Atsuka, Brendan Gleeson. A lot of big names. A lot of big names. We have those. All those people were in the, still are still ranked in the top two hundred and fifty. Uh, and and thereby are are you know have have just have a have more than decent shot of of making it into this top ten list the next time I do it. But for now, let us start with the actual top ten. Number ten, born 
April 15th, 1959, in the, from the, and from the United Kingdom, with 33 film credits to her name that I've seen, an average film rating of 62.64, four Oscar nominations, including one win, a value of 13, and a score of 72.06, ranked 79th overall. So everyone is 79th or above on this top 10 list. We have... Emma Thompson. I recently talked about Emma Thompson in her film The Children Act, uh, which, as, as I've, I've now rated uh, at this point, is her 25th best film out of 33. Uh, so it's her best movie rated under a 50 uh, at this point. And she has been in... A lot of movies. Uh, a lot of movies. Uh, she has seven, 67 released credits on Letterboxd. I've seen just under half of them at 33. Uh, but my favorite film that she's been in uh, is also one of her nominate, Oscar-nominated performances from Sense and Sensibility. She was she won an Oscar for her role in Howard's End. She was nominated for The Remains of the Day and also nominated for In the Name of the Father. All of those films make my top 10 Emma Thompson movies, uh, including, filling in the blanks here, An Education, Much Ado About Nothing, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Brave, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, and The Meyerowitz Stories. Uh, she has also uh, appeared in Nanny McPhee Returns, I Am Legend, uh, the live-action Beauty and the Beast from last year, Bridget Jones' ba Bridget Jones's Baby, which she also wrote, Saving Mr. Banks, uh, the original Nanny McPhee. She was a voice role in Treasure Planet. She had a role in Love Actually, Stranger Than Fiction. She was in Men in Black Three. Um, she was the narrator of Men, Women, and Children. And we're we're kind of getting into the weaker entries in the list at this point including uh junior with with arnold and the love punch junior and arnold uh, junior and the love punch uh, the two films on her list that are awful in my opinion um but yeah emma thompson i absolutely adore her i i think she is you know she has just kind of I don't know it feels like to me she has you know this indelible uh, imprint that she kind of leaves everywhere on every movie that she's in you know I, I think that she you know as in in the Harry Potter franchise as Trelawney you know that Trelawney has a very tiny role and she is you know, a huge name, even in the first Harry Potter movie that she was in, uh, which was Prisoner of Azkaban back in 2004. And at that point, you know, multiple Oscar nominee, Oscar winner, uh, you know, just far, far greater than the, the size of the role she took on. And yet she just totally immersed herself in that role. And there are moments as Trelawney where she's completely indis indistinguishable or, indis you know, um, um, unrecognizable at all 
from her roles in Beauty and the Beast. And as I mentioned, the Children Act, uh, you know, she has she sings, she is able to sing um, more than competently. Uh, I thought she did a great job in Beauty and the Beast. Uh, and her voice roles in general are, are very strong. Beauty and the Beast, Brave, uh, Treasure Planet as well. All solid, great voice voice roles. Uh, she found her best success uh, in sort of British period pieces like Howard's End, Remains of the Day. Uh, and And... You know, I think Much Ado About Nothing, and uh, you know, I, I don't uh, those those movies. I don't know. I've seen a lot of them. I, I have, and for the most part, uh, I, I've I'm generally receptive and and more than than interested in in those types of movies. But I think that there's a a line. Uh, somewhere along the sh- along the sliding scale, where they shift from being uh, compelling, fascinating, uh, uh, intriguing to kind of um, what's the word I want to want to say here? What am I looking for? Um, derivative, maybe. And to Emma Thompson's credit, you know, she is not. You know, she is one of the main characters in Howard's End. She's one of the main characters in The Remains of the Day uh, and Sense and Sensibility, and, and she is a, I believe, supporting character in Impromptu. Yes. And, you know, her her ability in those movies to sort of elevate the material, and, and you know, most of that, a lot of that material, it's, it's very well-written material, uh, but generally, those are the films that are hardest to play to like a wide audience because you know they're very wordy. There's not a lot of action. It's just characters and dialogue. And Emma Thompson, in my opinion, just perfectly conveys a, a very just I don't know. She, she's just able to pr- put on a performance that really draws you in to those types of roles. And I think she's at her best when she doesn't really have a lot to work with. And I think she's very similar to Meryl Streep in that way. I think the less you give her as uh, as a starting point, the better she can, the, the further she can take that material, the better, more she can do with it. Um, and, and I think that that's just so evident in uh, a lot of these roles that she's, she's best recognized and, and most acclaimed in. Uh, I, I, you know, in the name of the Father, uh, and, and save and and so on and so forth. Whereas I think in in say something like Saving Mr. Banks, where I don't know, she's definitely playing against type in Saving Mr. Banks, and for me, it wasn't it didn't work as well. I, I thought she was fine, but not anything special in that movie. But I, I do. I'm a big big fan. Emma Thompson. So she is currently one spot on the list behind Danny Borzage. Danny Borzage, uh, who was in Stagecoach, Sunset Boulevard, Citizen Kane, Witness for the Prosecution, To Kill a Mockingbird. And she's one spot ahead of someone I already named on this episode, and that's Allison Janney. Uh, literally 11 hundredths of a point separate the two of them. So. 
this position for Thompson is incredibly tenuous uh, at best, even. So um, she has snuck through by the skin of her teeth this time. Uh, I mentioned I've seen about half of the movies she's been in so far. Some of the ones I haven't seen, uh, as far as sorted by popularity on Letterboxd, include 2009's The Boat That Rocked, starring... Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Tom Sturridge, Risa Fons, Bill Nye, Nick Frost, Kenneth Branagh, Gemma Arterton, Jack Davenport, Chris O'Dowd, January Jones, big cast, both that rocked. I'll have to watch that sooner. Uh, Angels in America from 2003 with Meryl Streep and Al Pacino. Uh, Henry V from, 18, from 1989, directed by Branagh, starring Branagh. Uh, Primary Colors. From 1998, Brideshead Revisited, 2008, Johnny English Strikes Again, which comes out this year. She is in, uh, so I will see that. Uh, Wit from 2001, Effie Gray, 2014, Peter's Friends from 1992, and Alone in Berlin from, from 2016. So pretty pretty help wide swath of films uh, that I haven't seen from her at this point. Uh, one of the things I remember when I was younger, the I used to get her confused with another actor who was in The Parent Trap, the Lindsay Lohan version. Uh, I used to get her confused with Natasha Richardson. And I think now they've they've definitely as they've you know, in the twenty some years since the first, the second Parent Trap movie came out, uh, they've definitely aged different in different paths, but at the time, I, I thought they were almost. I, for a while, even I thought it was Emma Thompson who was in that movie, uh, but it was not. It was not. So, um, yeah. That being said, um, I like Emma Thompson. She's number ten. Number 10, born in the 1950s, number 79 overall. Moving on to number 9. Uh, number 9 here, moving up the list. Also from the United Kingdom, born February 22nd, 1950. I believe the oldest person on this top 10 list. With 23 film credits and an average film rating of 65.61, one Oscar nomination, a value of 12.5, and a score of 72.86, ranked 67th overall is Julie Walters. Julie Walters. She is one spot behind Ellen Corby, uh, who was in Vertigo and It's a Wonderful Life, and one spot ahead of Dame Maggie Smith. Dame Maggie Smith, Julie Walters, uh, buoyed to the top to this list by two franchises. First being Harry Potter, in which she was in seven of the eight films. Uh, the second being Paddington, in which she was in both films of Paddington. Uh, and with, uh, you know, that's nine of the sixteen good films that she's been in between those two franchises. Uh, the other films being, in my opinion, uh, Nanny McPhee Returns, which she was in with Emma Thompson, uh, The Prime of Miss Jean Brody, for which she won an Oscar for her role in, uh, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, Gosford 
Who am I? I'm looking at the wrong person. I am looking at Maggie Smith. Okay. Uh, rewind, rewind. Uh, nine of the 14 films are in Harry Potter and Paddington. Include, uh, filling in the gaps, for real now, uh, Brooklyn. She was in Brooklyn. She was Oscar-nominated in Billy Elliot. Uh, she shared a voice role with Emma Thompson in Brave. So she still shared a spotlight with her. Prick up your ears. Um, Nomeo and Juliet, the voice role of that. And that's it. Uh, everything else is average to bad, including her worst film, in my opinion, a voice role in the animated short film The Legend of Mordu, uh, which is a brave short film spinoff. But uh, I believe she plays the witch in Brave. Um, but an interesting note here is uh, Julie Walters' best film is rated an 88, uh, which is Prisoner of Azkaban. She is one of the very few people uh, to be so highly ranked uh, without having a film rated 90 or above. Uh, Maggie Smith, just below her, is also in the same boat. Uh, the, you know, Clint Eastwood, um, who we I believe we mentioned in the 1930s top 10 list, is also without a 90s film or better. Uh, someone further up this list will also join uh, that rank, as well as someone from last last month's top four, top ten list from the 1940s, David Bradley, who is the highest ranked person at the moment without a film rated 90 or above. Uh, Julie Waters, I have seen 23 of her films. She has 87 credits uh, released on Letterboxd right now, so a lot, a lot of movies. Um, that she's been in that I haven't seen. Most of them look like British television shows based on the posters. But you know, as I go, as I explore down the list, we'll see if that's actually the case or not. Uh, remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. Um, so uh, some of the films of hers I haven't seen based on popularity include uh, Educating Rita alongside Michael Caine, Effie Gray as well with Emma Thompson, uh, One Chance from 2013, which looks like it stars Nick Nolte. No, who is that? I don't know. Uh, but it does, oh, it stars James Corden. Maybe that's who I'm seeing. Man, he, there's, so there's a picture of him uh, in like a miner's helmet with like coal all over his face. That's it made him look a ton older, and it's a very small image, so it kind of looks like Nick Nolte. <laughs> uh, the Henry the Fourth parts one and two, as well as Henry the Fifth, uh, which also star uh, Tom Hiddleston and Jeremy Irons. Uh, a documentary, the, A Grand Night In, the story of Ardman, based on Ardman animations. Uh, Dream Child from 1985. Sister, My Sister from 1994, alongside Jolie Richardson and Jody May. And uh, the last one on the here down is Justin and the Knights of Valor, which is another voice role from 2013, 
which she is in alongside Saoirse Ronan, Freddie Highmore, Antonio Banderas, Alfred Molina, Mark Strong, Charles Dance, Rupert Everett, Tamsin Egerton, James Cosmo, Olivia Williams. A lot of characters. Lots of characters. So, uh, Julie Walters, as I said, uh, basically makes it here based on the strength of the franchises she has become attached to. Uh, she's in the Mamma Mia franchise. That doesn't really help her score, in my opinion. Um, the the animated Nomeo Juliet franchise. Uh, while I like the first Nomeo and Juliet, Sherlock Gnomes was quite bad. So I think that is a net negative, actually. Um, she was also in uh, Becoming Jane, Driving Lessons, Calendar Girls. And I don't know, I, you know, Julie Walters is, I like her, I enjoy her, she, she's very entertaining and, and does, does a great job as, uh, as Mrs. Weasley in the Harry Potter franchise, as, and, and, you know, likewise in Paddington, I think she, she's very, very, very capable as a uh, supporting character, supporting role player, and, you know, she, she's capable of, of never falling into that role where it takes you out of the movie. And the best, all the best characters, you know, avoid that, that shortcoming. And she, she is far and away, you know, one of the best British English uh, supporting actors, character actors. You know, she, she is perfectly capable in Mamma Mia when, you know, she has to ham it up and, and, you know, really go over the top with things. You know, through all of her time in the Harry Potter franchise, she is able to kind of ride the ebbs and flows of the emotions asked of her in there. Uh, she can get really zany, like playing the witch in Brave. Uh, she can be a little ferocious, a little, little um, kind of out of left field. Uh, as she is in Paddington at times. Uh, and then you look at things like Brooklyn and Billy Elliot, and she can be very subdued. She can be very reserved and uh, just kind of exhibit the same, that kind of other level of pathos. And yeah, I, I mean, she, she kind of has that very wide range of tools in her, in her, at her disposal. And I, I don't know, I, I, she doesn't, she never gives a bad performance, and it's just, you know, I feel like I say this every time I talk about someone who's more of a supporting character in their, in their work, but, you know, it's a shame she doesn't have more leading roles, and, and maybe that's because I haven't gone far enough into her filmography, uh, you know, the deeper I look here, you know, I start to see more and more film posters with her face on them, uh, so there's a good chance that, I get further down, and she is the lead in a couple of these movies, which is great, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. I think that will be fascinating, because I do enjoy her performances, and I think you know she does a great job. Great job. So, uh, that's, that's Julie Walters. Uh, she is number nine, born in the 1950s, number 67 overall. 
We don't have too far to go to get to our number eight. Um, born as well in, in the United Kingdom. November, November 2nd, 1959. I believe the youngest person on this list. Uh, we'll fact check that. Uh, with 11 film credits and an average film rating of 74.45, a value of 10, and a score of 73 even, ranked 65th overall, is Peter Mullen. So Julie Walters ranked 67th, Peter Mullen just two spots above her at 65th. So Ellen Corby splits the difference with John C. Riley one spot ahead of Peter Mullen. And Peter Mullen uh, is, is a Scottish, Scottish actor who far more than, than a Julie Walters is definitely uh, a supporting actor and the only film I've seen where he wasn't is Tyrannosaur which is actually fantastic I, I love Tyrannosaur um, it is my second favorite film that he's been in behind Children of Men he like every actor in born in the United Kingdom within the last 70 years has been in at least one Harry Potter movie uh, he's been in two uh, Deathly Hallows parts one and two. Uh, he is also in Train Spotting, Children of Men, as I mentioned, Braveheart. He was in Hostiles last year, slash early this year. And that's it. <laughs> you know, he as I said, only eleven films that I've seen him in. Uh, the only bad one is Hercules. The only bad one is Hercules. Uh, Shallow Grave, I thought, is is decent a decent movie from 1994 with uh, Christopher Eccleston. Uh, there's also Boy A from 2007 with Andrew Garfield that I liked quite a bit. And yeah, like without a blemish, it's it's easy to ride. You know, a handful of films pretty high up the list. Looking, you know, I mentioned Ellen Corby who splits the difference between Walters and Mullen. She's only been in seven films on this list, uh, so. Or in her filmography that I've seen, and she's right between them. So Mullen's only bad film is the Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie Hercules, uh, and it's 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 not great. It's not great. Um, I gave it a I gave it a forty six. Gave it a forty six. Might even be too generous, but <clears throat> uh, so. As far as Peter Mullen's concerned, uh, some of the films of his I haven't seen. You know, he has 57 uh, released credits on Letterboxd, so I've seen 19%, fairly tiny percentage. Uh, I haven't seen Sunset Song from 2015, Session 9 from 2001. A couple of these are series. Welcome to the Punch from 2013, The Magdalene Sisters from 2002, Sunshine on Leith, from 2013, the Red Riding trilogy from 09, Young Adam 03, My Name is Joe, he plays the titular Joe in from 1998, The Last Legion from 2007. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of lot of stuff from looking to see Criminal with uh, looks like Maggie Gyllenhaal and John C. Riley. Uh, Ordinary Decent Criminal with Kevin Spacey. Hector, which looks like he 
kind of looks like All is Lost, but with Peter Mullen. The Liability with Tim Roth. The Claim from 2000. So lots of, lots of movies here. Uh, as I go down, you know, I see a Liam Neeson movie here, The Big Man, uh, Dog, All to- Dog All Together with Olivia Coleman, who is in the who is in the favorite this year. Um, so pretty pretty deep filmography here, as far as you know, the people he worked with and and you know the the rec- the name recognition involved, uh, which generally uh, is is. I don't know. I think the the deep if you can go pretty deep into someone's filmography and still see films with, you know, big names attached to them, like a Kevin Spacey, you know, controversy notwithstanding, like a Maggie Gyllenhaal, like a John C. Riley, um, like a uh, who who was the other one I mentioned, like a maybe this isn't even Liam Neeson. Nope, it is like a Liam Neeson. Uh, I think that is a, a strong indicator of of talent in my you know and and sure any of these movies all of these movies could be bad but i think at a point in your career where you're working on you know movies that no one's seen movie that movies that maybe people still haven't seen don't hear about uh, smaller affairs i think having the ability to like recognize and you know who knows how how much um agency he, he peter mullen himself had in these decisions but you know working with someone like a liam neeson uh working with someone like uh, like a tim roth or or a kevin spacey or a john c Riley, you know oscar nominees oscar winners uh in their own rights you know that is that means something, you know. That's that's not nothing, right? That's you know, it's you know, if if you chose to work with Tarantino on his very first film before he was a big name, before he everyone knew who he was, you know, that shows that you have some kind of understanding. You're able to recognize that he has something, and I think that this is. I think the same is true with acting. Same true with writing. Same is true uh, with all all crafts involved in in film uh that said uh peter mullen himself is is great i i think he's a fantastic actor and it's a shame i haven't seen more movies that he's been in uh, you know sunset song has been on my list for quite a while and i haven't gotten around to it uh, welcome to the punch i'm also uh looking forward to uh the red riding trilogy i've been aware of for a while but you know as a trilogy i, I didn't know how uh, it's kind of a time commitment, uh, so it's because it, I don't know. It would be something I'd want to watch all in one shot. So I'm waiting for that. Uh, he's also credited in Olive Kitteridge and Top of the Lake, which are not movies; they are miniseries. Uh, Olive Kitteridge at four hours and Top of the Lake at six hours. I have seen Top of the Lake, uh, and I liked it. I thought it was very good, but. You know, it's um, not a movie. But, man, Peter Mullen is fantastic in Top of the Lake. Um, that is, outside of Tyrannosaur, you know, that is his, his best performance. 
that I've seen. He is he is exceptional in that. Big fan of Peter Mullen. Um, looking forward to more to really diving deeper into his filmography. Um, trying to see here what he's going to be a voice in um, Andy Serkis's Mowgli. So I'm very very excited for that. I've mentioned before how much I'm looking forward to that movie. So yeah. Yeah, Mowgli, Peter Mullen. Peter Mullen, number eight, born in the 1950s, number 65 overall. Moving on to number seven. Number seven. Number seven is born in the United States, first one on the list uh, in Illinois. June 23rd, 1957, 31 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 64.84, five Oscar nominations, two Academy Award wins, a value of 12.5, a score of 73.41, and ranked 61st overall is Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand, um, Oscar winner for uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, as well as Fargo. Uh, also, she was nominated for Almost Famous, as well as Mississippi Burning and North Country. Frances McDormand. I've been watching quite a few of her films uh, recently, to not with any intention of, of you know adjusting her score or, or pushing it one direction or another. Just I don't know. I, something struck me, and I wanted to kind of flesh out my McDormand filmography. Uh, so in the recent few days, I've seen Lone Star. I've seen Madeline. Hidden Agenda, Chattahoochee, Palookaville, Beyond Rangoon. What's that? Six films? Six films. I've seen six films of hers in the last couple of days. Uh, and with the intention of seeing more. And, uh, you know, most of them were, were fell in the average to slightly above, slightly below average range. Nothing too heavy hitting in one direction or the other. Uh, but... All in all, uh, you know, after winning her second Oscar this past Oscars uh, for Three Billboards, you know, she's she's big. She is, I mean, she's always been big. She's always been a, a, a heavyweight performer. You know, she, her role, her outstanding performance in Fargo, testament to that. Uh, she has worked with the Coens pretty extensively uh, on Fargo and... Uh, Hail Caesar, Burn After Reading, Raising Arizona, Barton Fink, Miller's Crossing, Blood Simple, uh, and so on. She has, uh, you know, she works with, she's worked with Wes Anderson a couple of times, Moonrise Kingdom, Isle of Dogs. Uh, she's <laughs> dabbled in Pixar and animation with The Good Dinosaur. She also did a voice in Madagascar 3. Uh, she was in Primal Fear, which I, I really enjoy. Uh, the Man Who Wasn't There, Shortcuts from 1993. Um, she was in Dark Man, 
Wonder Boys, Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day, Eon Flux. Uh, not all these are, are necessarily good movies, but uh, just naming them as they come up. And uh, the biggest, the biggest pitfall is Transformers, Dark of the Moon, for which she has a thankless role in as a national intelligence director. Uh, yeah, that one's kind of a head-scratcher. It really plays against pretty much her the rest of her fa- uh, filmography. The only other like big money-making movies that she'd been in were animated ones, like Madagascar 3. Um, and the only time before Transformers, which was 2011, that she did kind of more of an action-y, not really blockbuster, but um, bigger movie was, and I feel like it wasn't even a bigger movie, but Eon Flux back in 2005 with Charlize Theron, who co-starred with her in North Country the same year. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, That aside, Frances McDormand is fantastic. Uh, She is a fantastic actor. Uh, she She deserved... All the praise she got last year for three billboards. Um, despite the fact that I wouldn't have picked her to win myself, I still think that her performance was exceptional. I thought she did a great job. Uh, she was magnetic in three billboards. I love her in pretty much every movie she's in. You know, I've mentioned having seen, you know, five or six of them in the last few days, and she is. You know, in Madeline, she is, uh, what, Sister Miss Clavel. I I thought she was great in that, in Hidden Agenda, in, you know, her smaller roles in Chattahoochee, Palookaville, Beyond Rangoon. She just steals the the spotlight in in these tinier roles that she gets. And, you know, she, she, she does, she's such a... I don't know, she, she can do that mean-spirited role so well. Uh, uh, you know, I have a co-worker that I always think of when I see Frances McDormand. I think they don't look anything alike. They are vastly different ages, different skin colors. Uh, FX co-worker, to, uh, to be clear. Um, different ages, different, different skin colors. Uh, but... Their attitudes, especially in Three Billboards, and I think that she takes that attitude with her into some other some other movies. And I think that is, in my opinion, her best uh, speed as an actor. But like that, so it makes it, you know it's exactly what I thought of, what I think of um, my my ex coworker as. Uh, that said, um, you know, with a couple of exceptions. You know, she doesn't often play the lead role. You know, she has won twice for playing a lead role at the Oscars. But, you know, a lot of her bigger movies or bigger movies that she's been in, she is either part of a larger ensemble uh, or more of a supporting character. Moonrise Kingdom, Burn After Reading, Isle of Dogs, Raising Arizona, Almost Famous, Hail Caesar, Barton Fink, um, you know, Primal Fear, and... You know, I hope, I hope that with her huge, huge turn in Three Billboards, she will get more lead roles. Uh, I mentioned Olive Kitteridge, 
when we talked about Peter Mullen. And, you know, I'm very, I really want to see that. It's just, it's a four hour thing that I can't count as a movie. So that makes it trickier to add to the list. And most of the other films of hers I haven't seen, she's really not a lead role in. Um, you know, looks based on the posters, uh, the closest that will come is, say, Hidden in America or uh, maybe Friends with Money, which is more of an ensemble anyway. So kind of just looking forward to more new movies from her. Now, she has one on here that has been announced, which is very strange because it's far closer to the... Uh, to the Transformers side of her career, which is Godzilla vs. Kong in 2020. Uh, she is in that alongside Millie Bobby Brown, Kyle Chandler, Charles Dance, uh, Zhang Zi, Denai Guerrera, and Julian Dennison. So maybe, maybe it's, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm interested to see it, but I don't have any faith that it's going to be good. So there's that. Uh, so hopefully she has some uh, smaller movies, not blockbusters, that she can headline between now and then. Got all of 2019. All of 2019. So, uh, Frances McDormand, huge fan. Love her. She's great. She's number seven from the 1950s, number 61 overall, which puts her one spot ahead of Toshiro Mifune, one spot behind Kamatari Fujiwara. Francis McDormand. Moving on to number six. Number six. Probably the least recognizable name on the list. Uh, and maybe completely unrecognizable. We shall see. Uh, born in California, April 3rd, 1955, with 10 film credits. And an average film rating of 76.3, a value of 10.5, and a score of 74.08, tied with two other people, <laughs> funnily enough, at 55th overall, is Tomas Arana. 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 Tomas Arana. Tomas Arana. That's what I'm going to say. Um, yeah, if you don't know who this is, <laughs> um, he is, I don't know, I don't know how to describe, uh, you know, I can tell you what movies he's been in. He has been in Best Picture winner, Gladiator. He was in L.A. Confidential, The Hunt for Red October, Tombstone, uh, the Dark Knight Rises, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Born Supremacy, Limitless with Bradley Cooper, Defiance with Daniel Craig, and finally American Satan from last year. Uh, that said, uh, Thomas Thomas Arana, Arana, Arana. Man, there's no tilde over the N, which is really throwing me off. Tomas, Thomas, Thomas Arana, killing me. I'm just gonna say Thomas. Thomas 
ranked 55th overall, tied with Oliver and James Phelps, who play the Weasley twins in Harry Potter. Uh, he is one spot behind Clint Eastwood and one spot ahead of Porter Hall, who was in Ace in the Hole, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, His Girl Friday, Double Indemnity, Miracle on 34th Street, The Thin Man, and more. So Thomas Arana, whatever, you know, he, is, this is, I think, if I see any other movies that he's in, is the only time he will ever make this list. Uh, because some of the movies I haven't seen, you know, not so good. Don't look great. Uh, including Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. 1992's The Bodyguard. 2011's The Roommate. Um, a lot of horror movies here. The Possession of Michael King. 2004's Frankenfish. That's right. Frankenfish. Oh, boy. Uh, with no other recognizable names attached to it. Body Puzzle from 92. Uh, the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie from 2002, Derailed. Uh, boy. Rampage, colon, The Hillside, Strangler Murders. It just, uh, yeah, doesn't look like a, doesn't look like a great, great filmography here. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Thomas Arana is, you know, he's he's got 46 film credits on Letterboxd. I've seen 10 of them, 21%. You know, he's... He's just, uh, he's just a guy. I don't know. He he's not a big name. He's not a big face. He's not, you know, I think he's got a recognizable face. I think he, if you've seen half of the movies I mentioned that he's been in, uh ha I mean half the ones that I've seen rather, so like Guardians of the Galaxy, Gladiator, LA to Confidential Born Supremacy, Hunt for October, you'll recognize his face. You've seen this guy around. You know who he is. Uh he just isn't super impactful as uh, as an actor. You know, he, he gets solid work, but I would never elevate him into the conversation of, like, best supporting actors or best character actors, even. You know, I think part of this is due to, you know, me just not having seen the handful of, uh, you know, one or two more films that he's been in. Uh, but, you know, that's that's how things go. That's just how, how it is right now. Uh, so, that being said... Uh, Thomas Arana, you know, he, he's all right. <laughs> I, I don't have a lot to, to say. Um, he was a theater actor for a while. Uh, he has worked in a lot of European productions, uh, and, and beyond, you know, done a lot of world traveling, uh, he has both U.S. and Italian citizenship. And uh, he once had his face painted, uh, his portrait painted, rather, to be more precise, by uh, Andy Warhol. So that, you know, that's that's certainly something. But otherwise, Thomas Arana, 
like I said, I, I think there's very small chance that he's able to survive until the next time I do this list. Uh, at, despite being, what is it, sixth? Yeah, that's that's not high enough. No way. So, Thomas Arana, sixth, born in the 1950s, 55th overall. 55th. Moving on. Top five. Here we go. We're halfway there. Top five. Starting out with from New York, born October 20th, 1958, with 18 film credits, an average film rating of 69.22, two Oscar nominations, 12 and a half value, and a score of 74.8. Ranked 49th overall, we have hit the top 50 at this point, is Vigo. Mortensen, one spot ahead of Ryan Gosling, one spot behind Terry Notary. Vigo Mortensen, I, for me, Vigo Mortensen, is, you know, he's the guy from Hidalgo. That is the most. That was the movie I saw him in the, the most often. That I remember him the most for. Uh, you know, I. I had seen uh, Return. I had seen the Lord of the Rings movies before Hidalgo, but you know they didn't really. I liked them. I thought I think they're all great. I, I, I still I think they're all all of them are just a huge huge gap between them and Hidalgo in terms of quality. But man, I rewatched Hidalgo tons on DVD back in the mid two thousands. Uh, I didn't really, and you know maybe it was because of the length, but I didn't really watch. Uh, rewatch Lord of the Rings that often, and you know, outside of Hidalgo, uh, you know, it wasn't really, you know, Vigo isn't exactly a blockbuster kind of actor. He's been in The Road, History of Violence, Eastern Promises, Carlito's Way, Captain Fantastic, A Dangerous Method, Witness, On the Road, Crimson Tide, G.I. Jane, Two Faces of January. You know, these are not big movie, big money makers. By any stretch, you know he's able to seamlessly, you know, go into the western genre and and into more of like crime genre. Uh, you know he is, uh, you know he he's 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 got he's got a range. He's he's very st- strong in in as far as his range of characters he can play. And uh, that said, I'm very very looking forward to uh, Green Book with him and Mahershala Ali. Which has been getting a lot of a lot of good buzz, and I, I'm very excited for that. But that said, I've seen him in 18 movies, um, and he's got 59 credits on Letterboxd, so 30. percent uh, Some of the films of his I haven't seen are Jaja from 2014, Daylight from 1996, A Perfect Murder from 98, Appaloosa from 2008. Um, some horror movies, The Prophecy, The Reflecting Skin, Leatherface, Colin, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, uh, Young Guns 2, The Indian Runner, Prison, A Walk on the Moon, Alatriste, The Passion of Darkly Noon, Albino Alligator, Good, Boiling Point, and so on, and so on. Um, Figo Mortensen. 
so he has um, he's pretty I don't know so he's been nominated for two Oscars right <laughs> he was nominated for Eastern Promises and he was nominated for uh, Captain Fantastic I loved Captain Fantastic I loved him in it uh, I thought he did a great job in it. Uh, I was really pleased to see him nominated for it two years ago. And otherwise, though, I think largely it's not really his fault that most of the best movies he's been in are great. I wouldn't attribute his performance uh, to the to the Lord of the Rings franchise. I think he's very, very good in it, but... And, you know, at this point, I, who can say, you know, how, you know, whether or not someone else could have played the role any better or worse. But outside of the, the scene where he breaks his foot, uh, I think, you know, he's he's just good. He's just very good. Uh, you know, Witness was his first film. Uh, G.I. Jane is not his film either. Carlito's Way, not his film. Uh, you know, you got History of Violence and Eastern Promises and Hidalgo and The Road and... Crimson Tide and Inch Method. Like, those are movies that he's, he's pretty prominently in or the main character. And I don't know. He's he's always good. You know, he, he has a very good, a nice, calm, cool about him. Uh, you know, I love the way, you know, he, he, he uh, projects with his face. I think he does a fantastic job there. But I don't know. I think he's got a lot of... Um, I don't know about his his longevity, and that's what makes me so excited for Green Book because a lot of talk about him getting another Oscar nomination for his role in this, and I'm very excited to see it. Very excited to see, uh, you know, just what new he can bring to the table. Uh, because I, I don't really know much about the film, so I, I'm interested to see what direction his performance takes. Uh, so that said. Um, Viggo Mortensen is hmm. I don't know uh, tough tough one I'm not sure I'm not sure I don't know he wouldn't make my top 10 list of actors born in the 1950s there are a lot of names that I read off uh, that I put that are not in this top 10 list that I would probably put ahead of him in terms of actual acting quality and ability. But that's that's not how the list works. So uh, it is... Um, it is how it is. Uh, so Green Book, uh, if it is as good as people say, definitely opportunity for him to, you know, at least stay the same. Uh, rather, uh, stay... stay solid in his his top in being on this top 10 list but a lot of the movies i mentioned that i hadn't seen uh don't seem to be exactly uh you know the best to to put it lightly looks like some schlock looks like some some schlock coming up uh, we'll see but you know, I, I think, um, I don't know. I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see more of him. You know, maybe he will turn my, my opinion around. Maybe he'll, you know, maybe I'll, I'll finally kind of open myself up to him being this, this uh, you know, expansive 
not only expansive but also a very high quality actor that uh, that I think he can be. You know, I've seen him and do have some fantastic performances, and I've seen him have some you know average mediocre performances. So hopefully, I can find some more of those great ones of his and um, feel feel much more secure in putting him in this list. And uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Viggo Mortensen, number five, born in the 1950s, number 49th overall, which moves us up to number four. Born in Illinois, September 21st, 1950, with 46 film credits, an average film rating of 62.04, one Oscar nomination and a value of 16.5. Ranked 39th overall is Bill freaking Murray. Bill Murray, uh, one spot behind Martin Balsam, one spot ahead of Arthur Tovey. 46 film credits, huge filmography. That's still only 54% of the films I've seen that he's been in. Uh, 86 films currently released. And man... What what a what a huge huge list! He was also in Olive Kitteridge, with Francis McDormand, Peter Mullen. But you know his one Oscar nomination, uh, which is unfortunate, only one uh, for Lost in Translation. Not that I know exactly what I would give him the other any others for besides that necessarily. But my favorite film that he's been in is uh, his voice role in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, but you know he, he he's here on the strength of his his relationship with Wes Anderson. We've seen that before. We will see this again. You know, Grand Budapest, Moonrise Kingdom, Isle of Dogs, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Royal Tenenbaums, Rushmore, Darjeeling Limited, Life Aquatic. You know, it just that that put him here. That kept that has put him in a position to be on this list because he has been in his fair share of stinkers, uh, including Get Smart, Charlie's Angels, uh, Larger Than Life, uh, She's Having a Baby, where he plays himself, Kingpin, Aloha, Hyde Park on Hudson, uh, Garfield the Movie, Dumb and Dumber 2, The Monuments Men, Hamlet. He's got some bad movies on his filmography. And not not that on, his only good movies are, are Wes Anderson, you know, Lost in Translation, Ghostbusters, Groundhog Day, uh, The Jungle Book, As Baloo, Zombieland, Ed Wood, uh, Little Shop of Horrors, Tootsie, St. Vincent, Broken Flowers I love, uh, Scrooged I think is fun, Coffee and Cigarettes is good, Stripes is good. What about Bob is very funny. Um, I like the limits of control. Uh, da, 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 da. So I, I think that there's there's a lot to to like. There's a lot to be um, appreciative of in Bill Murray's career. He has had a long one. He has had a prosperous one. You know, he was on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Caddyshack, I don't really like Caddyshack, but I'm super, super grateful to Caddyshack for kind of announce, you know, making him 
getting him to be who he is. He was, it broke him out in a way. And, you know, if he wasn't in Caddyshack, maybe he was never going to be in Ghostbusters. That, that's crazy, right? That's crazy. But there's not, there's possibility there. I very much enjoy Bill Murray. I think he has a fantastic sense of comedic timing. I think uh, he is able to elevate the roles he is given. You know, things like Scrooged or The Man Who Knew Too Little. Space Jam. Like, Space Jam, whatever you think of the movie, (laughs) Bill Murray is incredible in Space Jam. I don't know what I don't know how much of any of his role was written down on the page. Maybe none of it. Maybe he just showed up on the set and was just like, "I'm in this movie now." I would believe that. And Bill Murray is just this ridiculous sort of whirlwind of of comedic energy and it's it, he he's able to, you know, be that funny guy, you know, be that jokester, and also he can play the other side of it, he can play that sort of, you know, downtrodden, you know, monotonous, uh, uh, almost anti-humor side of those things, and that is so, you know, he he has that self-deprecating humor, you know, at the ready always, and he's so fantastic at it. Um, you know, I, I, I love the, the variety that he brings the, to the movies, comedy or otherwise. Comedy or otherwise. I mentioned I've seen a lot of his movies. Some of the movies I haven't seen of his. Uh, the 40-some-odd movies of his I haven't seen. Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties, Meatballs, 2009's Get Low, 2012's A Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charles Swan III, 2015's Rock the Casbah, uh, Where the Buffalo Roam, Mad Dog and Glory, Cradle Will Rock, Nothing Lasts Forever, The Rudels, Next Stop Greenwich Village, The Razor's Edge, Passion, Play, uh, The Lost City, Mr. Mike's Mondo Video, Buy the Ticket, Take the Ride. Some of these sound like documentaries. The Rudels 2. Jeez. Um, you know, and then you know, we get you get to the bottom of his his letterbox list of movies, and you know, ha- like there's like five things down here that don't even have posters. And yeah, I don't I don't know what any of these are, but uh, that's that's fair. Um Yeah, though, I Bill Murray, right? Like, I don't know anyone who doesn't like Bill Murray. I think that's... I don't know how you don't like Bill Murray. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for his upcoming movies, uh, including The Dead Don't Die from Jim Jarmusch. I'm a big... I like Jim Jarmusch. I think he's great. Uh, you also have uh, Boo, Bureau of Otherworldly Operations from DreamWorks, which may or may not get made, but it's listed on here. Uh, you've got The King of Counterfeit uh, with alongside Linda Cardellini and Josh, Josh Hutcherson. So, uh, 
Yeah, Bill Murray, uh, you know, I, I don't know what I can say that hasn't been said about him already. I'm just, I'm a fan. I am quite a fan. So, Bill Murray, number four, born in the 1950s, number 39 overall. Top three. Top three. Uh, we have number 34 overall is next up. Born in the United Kingdom, April 29th, 1957, with 17 film credits and an average film rating of 70.76. Six Oscar nominations, three wins, including one from this past year. A value of 13 and a score of 76.32 is Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, he had a huge year, uh, presumably his retirement year, uh, which remains to be seen, but uh, that's what that's what the word is. So, you know, we'll see if he's ever in anything else again. But for now, we have a fantastic list of films that he has been in. One of the very, very few people to have won not, did I say winner last year? Not winner last year. Nominee last year um, for Phantom Thread, to be clear. I think I said winner. Uh, you know, one of the very few three-time Academy Award winners. Uh, you know, and one of the only people to do it in all leading Oscar performances. Uh, but he is one shy away from the record of four held by Katherine Hepburn. So, Day-Lewis won for his role in Lincoln, won for There Will Be Blood, and won for My Left Foot. He was nominated for In the Name of the Father, Gangs of New York, and Phantom Thread. Uh, which, you know, six Academy Award nominations on, at the moment, 32 film credits, including documentaries, so, you know, like one in five movies he's in, he gets nominated for an Oscar. I would love to know those statistics uh, and, and how that translates because I just think that, um, I think, I don't know if anyone else has a higher average rating, at, you know, or rather has a lower film to nominations uh, ratio. Some of the films he's been in that he didn't get nominated for, uh, The Age of Innocence, Gandhi, uh, let's see here, A Room with a View, For the Hungry Boy, which is a short film attached to Phantom Thread that was very, very good, The Last of the Mohicans, The Crucible, My Beautiful Laundrette, Sunday Bloody Sunday, The Unbearable Lightness of Being, The Age of Innocence, and nine nine uh the only film of his i've seen that i thought was bad all the others good to great at least for the most part daniel lewis uh the premier method actor of our time uh, you know famously you know never breaks character you know even in roles as debilitating as my left foot uh even when he did lincoln uh it, it it's not Every actor is capable of, of 
committing to that level of intensity. And I think that some of the ones that do are, are even, even with that commitment, not exactly, um, don't, shouldn't because it's not helping in that sense. But Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, if you've seen Lincoln, if you've seen There Will Be Blood, if you've seen uh, My Left Foot, he is a force. He is a huge, huge force. And uh, an actor that rightfully is considered one of the greatest living actors today. Uh, you know, he, even in the films of his that I, you know, even in something like Nine, which as I said, not my favorite movie. I didn't quite, I didn't really enjoy it. I think it's kind of bad. You know, he's in, he's exceptional in it. You know, he's great in Nine. He's great in The Unbearable Lightness of Being. He's great in The Crucible. He's great in A Room with a View and My Beautiful Laundrette and In the Name of the Father and The Age of Innocence and Last of the Mohicans. You know, regardless of the quality of the film, he is always great. So, uh, some of the films of his I haven't seen, uh, 1997's The Boxer, 1984's The Bounty, 2005's The Ballad of Jack and Rose, 1988's Stars and Bars, 1989's Ever Smile, New Jersey, 2010's A Man's Story, 1981's Artemis 81, uh, and then it looks like a couple of short films, but there's not much, he, there's not much he's been in. You know, he has 32 credits, but I think like five, seven, nine of them are, are documentaries or short films. Uh, it's, you know, it's a tiny, tiny filmography. And I think that he's, um, that's it. Now, one interesting thing is... Uh, and I don't, I don't know how accurate this is because it looks inaccurate. But I'm going to double check it before I say it in case I find conflicting reports somewhere else. Because, so, Letterbox lists one film that he's in that isn't released yet. And the film that is is Peter Rabbit 2. which is very strange. So the, the, that being said, the thing is that, um, so Letterboxd pulls all its information from the moviedatabase.com, which is open source, like anyone can edit the data. And so the cast for Peter Rabbit 2 is currently listed as Maggie Smith, playing Dame Maggie Smith, Judy Dench, playing Dame Judy Dench, Olivia de Havilland, playing Dame Bad Bitch de Havilland, Sidney Poitier, playing Sir Sidney Poitier, Emma Thompson, playing Dame You Better Not Mess With, Thompson, Daniel Day-Lewis, playing Sir Bad Boy Day-Lewis, and Michael Gambone, playing Sir Michael Gambone. So, pretty uh, pretty sure this is none of those guests, none of, that, none of those people are going to be in this movie. And uh, that's kind of absurd. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, Maggie Smith is listed as the director. I don't, I don't know about that either. Because the director is actually Will Gluck. So, I don't know. Somebody had some fun. Somebody 
had some fun. Crazy craziness. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Danny Day Lewis has reportedly retired, right? You know, I think I think there's a role out there that could get him to act again, but I hope I hope he does because I think he has left an incredible legacy, and I, you know, unless he really wants to keep acting, which I don't know, it kind of feels like he doesn't. You know, I think he's he's happy, he's satisfied, he is content with the life he has led. He has left a mark that will never go away. And yeah, he should if he wants to stop, he can and should. That's 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 all there is to it. Uh so you know, I think he's fantastic. I I mentioned before there was somebody else on this list who did not have a film rated 90 or above it's daniel day lewis uh you know he has no film rated above it lincoln which has an 88 from me and you know there's a chance that none of his films ever have a 90 which is fascinating um you know i think he is exceptional and he more than elevates the movies that he is a part of but you know, his movies, on the other hand, don't quite uh, don't quite work out as well. Don't quite work out as well. You know, there was a five-year gap between Lincoln and the and Phantom Thread. You know, and uh, you know, it's just it's he just he's so committed and he's so deep into his characters that. It's not easy for him to, to, you know, churn out three, four movies a year without, you know, some sort of, some sort of a backlog or something taking place. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope the decision he ultimately makes is the right one for him. I, you know, I love his performances and I'm glad I still have a couple more to watch because I'm, I'm fast, fascinated, fascinated completely. So, Daniel D. Lewis, number three from the 1950s, number 34 overall. Number two. Number two. Born in the 1950s. Born in the United Kingdom, January 9th, 1956. 22 film credits. An average film rating of 68.5. One Oscar nomination. A value of 14.5. And a score of 77.29, ranked 29th overall, is Imelda Staunton. One spot behind Paul Newman, one spot ahead of Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, The last woman on the top 10 list for this list. Another Harry Potter alumnus. And, uh, you know, (laughs) Imelda Staunton has so so she's been in a lot of movies she's been in 67 films that i've uh that that letterboxd says have been released i have seen 22 or about 32 percent of them and she has a couple of roles in harry potter in the uh seventh and fifth movies um she was in Alice in Wonderland, Maleficent, 
both Paddingtons, Nanny McPhee, Ch- Chicken Run, Arthur Christmas, Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, you know, she has, you know, she she's done a lot of uh, genre films. Harry Potter, Alice Wonderland, Maleficent. She's done a lot of animated films, Chicken Run, uh, The Pirates, Arthur Christmas. Um, I think that's it. That I've seen, at least. And then there's the dramatic side of things. There's the pride. There's the Shakespeare in Love. There's the Vera Drake. Uh, Much Ado About Nothing. Another Year, which I, I think I, I, is great. Uh, Twelfth Night. Uh, she she kind of very similar uh, to Julie Walters. They are both English. They've both been in Harry Potter. They've both been in Paddington. They are both great, generally supporting actors. But for me, I think Imelda Staunton uh, kind of rises above. I think one look at her as Dolores Umbridge, oh man, uh, she is more terrifying than Voldemort in Harry Potter. And she is pink and frilly. And, you know, that dynamic of that character, you know, looking at her in, in you know, these, these movies that she has this, you know, this sweetness to her on the surface. This, this kind of uh, straightforward approach from, from the onset. And then once you kind of peel back the first layer, you know, everything changes. You know, she has that dark side as as Umbridge. She she can give you that strained and painful emotion in Vera Drake. Uh, you know, she has those layers to her characters, to her voices in The Pirates and Arthur Christmas and Chicken Run. Uh, you know, she does play a lot of mother roles like Nanny McPhee type roles and things like that, but uh, you know, she just, in another year, um, you know, she is smaller role, definitely a smaller role, like like seventh or eighth build, I think. But, you know, it, it's she she's perfectly at home in these comedy dramas, these uh, these movies that need her to be sort of reserved and and restricted and yet funny when when the mood calls for it you know even something as kind of silly and inconsequential as finding your feet i think was was very telling and and i thought i i very much in enjoyed watching her in it it wasn't a great movie but it was it, you know she's obviously enjoying herself in it and that's that's a very important that's the most important aspect of it so you know, I think Imelda Staunton has the range, has the, the scale, has the scope. Uh, I mentioned she had one Oscar nomination. It is for her role in Vera Drake as lead. Uh, Well-deserved, I might add. Uh, some of the movies of hers I haven't seen include 19, uh, 2011's The Awakening, 2007's Freedom Riders, 1995's Citizen X, 2012's The Girl, 2005's Fingersmith, uh, 
1992's Peter's Friends, 1987's Comrades, 99's David Copperfield, 2003's Bright Young Things, um, 2007's How About You, 2001's The uh, Crush, 2006's Shadow Man, oh boy. Um, yeah, and then you've got a lot of BBC movies, shows, things down here towards the bottom. But I... Yeah, she won a BAFTA for her role in Vera Drake. Uh, she is... I don't know. She just has that something, that that extra, extra, extra level, extra, extra effort that she can put into a role like, like a Dolores Umbridge, you know, like in Paddington, like in in Pride and in Shakespeare in Love, where she can just kind of go a little further than what you expect. Uh, add a little bit of a twist to the character you're you're looking at, you think you're seeing. And, you know, in that way, I think she kind of separates herself from someone like a Julie Walters, who is also fantastic in her own right, but I don't think has as much of a, of a next gear as Imelda Staunton does. So I'm a big fan. I love Imelda Staunton. I think she's, she's great. And... Can't wait to see more movies of hers. Uh, according to Letterboxd, she will be in the Downton Abbey movie. I don't know if she's on Downton Abbey already. Maybe she is. But she's credited in the Downton Abbey movie. So, that said, uh, Melda Staunton, number two, born in the 1950s, number 29 overall. Which brings us to the number one. Number one. Here we do. Here we go. Here we go. Born in Wisconsin, July twenty second, nineteen fifty five, with forty nine film credits, an average film rating of sixty two point zero eight, three Oscar nominations, a value of nineteen point five. Very high. A score of 79.15 and a rank of 20th. Another Oscar nominee from this most recent Academy Awards ceremony. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. He is one spot behind Michael Stuhlbarg, one spot ahead of Tom Hardy. So, Willem Dafoe. One of the most unique-looking people uh, in 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 the business, right? He has that incredibly toothy smile, that gap between his teeth, those you know very piercing eyes. Just just his face. Just looking at his face is, uh, you know, he can you know he can look absolutely gentle and calm and welcoming as he does in the Florida Project. Or he can be a vampire, as he is in Shadow of the Vampire. He has no limit in that regard. You know, whether he's playing... Uh, oh, what's his name? Um, 
Harry Osborn in Spider-Man, uh, whether he's Gil in Finding Nemo, uh, or, you know, he, whether he's, uh, oh, what's the character name? Oh, what is it? What is it? What is it? Uh, Klaus in Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. He has such range, such incredible range, and he plays every single role and you know almost every role pitch perfect i think he's he's very very good and and one of my favorites for sure other films he's been in he's a big collaborator with wes anderson grand budapest fantastic mr fox i mentioned life aquatic he has he was in um all three spider-man movies from sam raimi he was in Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, American Psycho, John Wick, Platoon, Antichrist, The Aviator, The Fault in Our Stars, Murder on the Orient Express, uh, Inside Man, Nymphomaniac Volume 2, The Boondock Saints, Last Temptation of Christ, The English Patient, Existence, A Most Wanted Man, Out of the Furnace, Live, To Live and Die in L.A., Born on the Fourth of July, Cry Baby, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Mississippi Burning, uh, Streets of Fire, Shadow of the Vampire, My Son, My Son, What Have You Done, The Hunter, which is very, very good, Affliction, which is very good, you know, he, he, it's, it's, list goes on and on and on and on, he's done it all, and that's only, I've only seen 49 films of the 124 live credits that he's got right now, gee, that's like, that's 39%. 39 percent um some of the films of his i haven't seen based on popularity on letterboxd wild at heart with nicholas cage and laura dern uh last year's what happened to monday netflix movie uh, 1983's the hunger 2009's daybreakers 1980s heaven's gate clear and present danger speed 2 colon cruise control Basquiat from 1996, Dog Eat Dog from 2016, 2005's Mandalay, 98's New Rose Hotel, Boondock Saints 2. Um, he will be in Vox Lux later this year with Natalie Portman, and and so on. You know, I'm still scrolling down here. A lot of you know more posters with his face on them. Movies that aren't you know. That aren't just you know direct to DVD, VHS, whatever it was. Uh, you know, so many movies that I have left to see from uh, from Willem Dafoe, and that's that's exciting. That's awesome. I love that so much. Uh, I mentioned three Oscar nominations, and the Florida Project. He was an Oscar nominated for the Florida Project for Shadow the Vampire and for Platoon. Uh, for me. Shadow of the Vampire, one of my favorite films of his, uh, one of my favorite roles of his. Um, it's his fourth best movie by my numbers. Fantastic Mr. Fox uh, being the first, followed by Finding Nemo and Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, but, you know, and I wasn't the biggest fan of The Florida Project, but I really enjoyed it, and I did think he was incredible in it. I thought he was fantastic. I really appreciated the nomination. I wish he would have won. I, I think uh, his, you know, I, I don't do this personally, but I think the Academy is known for, you know, 
legacy awards, career awards, and I, I think he definitely deserved it in that respect uh, over Sam Rockwell. But, you know, Rockwell... Rockwell was good. Rockwell was very, very good. Um, Willem Dafoe. The only... <laughs> You know, if you've seen How I Met Your Mother, I always think of, I forget the episode, it's like a fancy party, they're riding in the elevator, and Marshall turns to Lily, and he, they're like, I forget the setup for the explanation, but essentially, he breaks Willem Dafoe's name down to the croaking of a frog, Willem, and the caw of a bird, Dafoe, and I, I can't not think of that. Anytime I see, I hear his name, uh, you know, I had a friend whose middle name, or I have a friend whose middle name is Willem uh, from high school, but I've never met a Defoe. This is the only Defoe I've ever known. Um, but, you know, you look at him in his roles in Platoon to his role in, uh, say, Streets of Fire or Crybaby. Like, I don't know. I don't know what he can't do. Antichrist, like, he just, he can be wild, manic, insane. He can be subdued, reserved. He can he can play genre. He can play superhero, animated, uh, fatherly, villain. You know, it, it just, it, you know, whatever you need him to be, he can be. And that's, that's the hallmark, right? That's, that's the... That's what it. That's what it's about. Uh, you know, unlike someone like Thomas Arana, Willem Dafoe easily makes my top five on this list. If I was doing it based on my own personal preference uh, for quality, I'd have to really look at the list and look at the list of the option of names more to know if he would make it. You know, top three, top one, but definitely top five. You know he is exceptional. He is he is fantastic, and I am more than more than excited to see further films of his, uh, old films of his that I haven't yet gotten to. I mentioned he's in Box Lux later this year. He's also in Aquaman later this year, uh, as well as The Lighthouse next year uh, from director Robert Eggers alongside Robert Pattinson. So, Willem Dafoe, number one, 1950s, uh, number 20 overall. I will run down that list one more time. Emma Thompson, Julie Walters, uh, Peter Mullen, <clears throat> Francis McDormand, Thomas Arana, Viggo Mortensen, Bill Murray, Daniel Day-Lewis, Imelda Staunton, and number one, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. That's it, though. That's it. It's been a bit a long episode. Long episode. Uh, a little over an hour and a half. Thank you for listening to this episode. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, and now to uh, throw it over to the outro. Courtesy of Meg Berquist. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to listen to more episodes, you can find this podcast at circleoffilm.com or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. 
If you'd like to follow Ryan on Twitter, you can find him at Circle of Film or contact him through email at circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents an episode. Thank you again for listening and have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So-